That's why I said they should go back to their mom's basement and eat Doritos. Nothing wrong with that. I might actually go eat some Doritos now. Welcome to another episode. Welcome to the Two Two Guys podcast. Um, uh, oh, do you do, do you do, do the intro? Um, well, because uh... I was I because I was just thinking maybe they wanted to hear a fresh voice. Yeah, yeah, okay. Why don't you do it then? I could be like Mister Febreze. Yeah, okay. Hey, welcome to the Two Two Guys. I'm your host Dash Grundy. Uh, we have a guest today. Sorry, just give me one. Um, Kaylin. Mick Laughlin. Is that is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, that's actually the correct pronunciation. Um, well, most great to have you it. on, Kaylin. Um, yeah. Thanks I don't for know. having I just, me. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I started this podcast in um, 1955, I really thought I could do something with this, and it could be something. Hasn't gone to plan yet, but you know what? We, we, we revived it for 2021, New Year. Knew you. You're looking great, man. Looking great. Thanks. Um, I was reading, actually, that you were the first ever podcast pressed to vinyl, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Beatles were really impressed with what I was doing. Um, little known fact, they were called the Ants when I met them. But uh, that's, another, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Is it true that uh, when Neil Armstrong first landed on the moon... He gave you a shout out. Well, I actually was there in the studio where they filmed that, and uh, huh. you know, I also met Lance Armstrong. So that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. You actually gave him the idea for the the blood thinning or whatever, right? Yeah, for the steroid. That was all me. That was you, yeah. Um, well, it's, thank you for having me on, and you're such an influential member of, of wow. history and society and culture, and so I'm just happy to be a small part of it today. Well, great to have you on, and uh... <laughs> I'm so like off now, you know. Yeah, my, no, this is good. Is this off, is what I wanted. Great. Yeah, um, it's like a good photographer, you know, when you're doing headshots, they get you fresh, you know, they get you in the moment. It's nice. Yeah. Um, so, for those listening uh, at home or wherever, uh, Dash is a friend of mine. <laughs> Wait, so they can't feel, see me? I feel weird introing you now because you introed me. Yeah. I just, I don't like that you're, you're wasting this beautiful face for radio. I mean, I thought they could see me. I thought this was an audio visual podcast. Well, it's both. Yeah. Okay. It could be, it can be both. We can, it can be both. Okay. Cause it took me a long time to get this filter on my face. It gives me a chiseled jaw. Um, it gives me uh, more defined cheekbones. Yeah. You had a beard the last time I saw you, right? Yeah. No, I shaved that off. I got to look young, man. For the podcast? For the podcast. This is what I live my life for this podcast. The yeah, two two yeah. guys is my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it has been since the fifties. Yeah, it has. Okay. All right, so Dash one Great hosting, people. by the way, so far. Can I just say that? Great yeah. hosting. Well, I today all I'm trying to do is be the second best host of the show today. And so I'm coming in there aces so I far. I like that. Um why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are uh, and why you're here today? 
So I graduated from Canada's National Ballet School. I was there for seven years. And uh, then I went on and I danced in small companies in Canada. Uh, I danced with Keelan and Ballet Organ. I danced in the junior company in Alberta. And I did a little stint with uh, just kind of all over the place. And then I decided to to hang it up, as they say, and pursue acting. And uh, yeah, we've been uh, we've been friends for a while. Yeah. You decided to hang up the tights and try hang up stuff. the tights. Yeah, we worked together for it was about half a season. You were with Bally Organ. Yeah, you got me that job. That yeah, right. Yeah, how how did that work out? Yeah, I kind of forget that time. I remember just being at home. I had gotten I had gotten home from a different job, and then I was just in Toronto taking class. And you came up and was like, "Listen, we're halfway through a season, but." we need a guy for Sleeping Beauty. Do you want to come in and take a class and audition? And the director will take a look at you. And I was like, okay, that's, that's amazing. And then I came in, I had a pretty good class. I felt I had, you know, I have no idea how it went and yeah, took me into his office and he offered me a, a contract for the rest of the year. And it was like, perfect. I get to work mm-hmm. with my, my great friend. And uh, I had a couple friends also in that company and that was just like incredible. So thank you for that. Yeah, I loved having you there because having a buddy is like so fun, right? Especially yeah. when, because we, we went on tour pretty quickly with Sleeping Beauty and we were on tour for, like, did you do the West Coast and East Coast or just the West yeah. Coast tour? So, yeah. So we ended up touring that for over two months and having you there was great. I remember like, because <clears throat> when with Bally Jorgen, we would tour in kind of a group of vans, right? So you'd have like, five or six dancers people per kind of vehicle and then we would just travel the country and whatever van you were assigned to be in i would just trade you out <laughs> I, you know i was one of the people who was qualified in driving the vehicle and so i'd be like hey hey gus can you switch with dash so dash can be in my van all day and basically like every day we were driving i was like dash sit with me sit in the front let's talk <laughs> and uh and that was really fun yeah, and that that's really, I, I just got to say, that's not even one of my favorite dance moments, but one of my favorite life moments was that stretch of time when we were just 12 hours a day in a van going up the coast of British Columbia, hanging with my friends, going from like hotel to hotel. It was just incredible. Like that's that's something, it's an incredible experience I'll have for the rest of my life. And uh yeah, so much fun. And we ended up going to Florida at the end. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that was, oh, man, Florida's awesome. It was warm. True. It was sunny. We went to beaches. We stayed an extra week. I remember I went to the, I forget, the with the Globe. Universal Studios. Universal Studios. And we got there, and there was only an hour left in the park. We were with another friend, Igor. So it was like, okay, guys, you guys went and saw a movie. I, like, rushed through the entire Harry Potter world, just, like, taking photos. I got a wand from Ollivanders. I went to Gringotts. I did, like, everything in an hour. I just sprinted around. That was, like, really fun. Were the dance moments also exciting? Because in that kind of story, if it was so special, none of that involved any of the dancing. Was any of the dancing also fun? Yeah, the dancing was fun. Dancing was yeah, fun. you know. But the I'd say the, the, the moments in between with, with friends and that was what I remember. That's kind of what I cherish. Right. Um, 
then then you know being on stage is always fun but it's 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 the in-between um and spending quality time with people getting to know people doing really cool interesting things visiting remote places in canada that's the that that's that's what i remember yeah i feel you on that uh one thing i remember is uh i remember i remember it very fondly is so that season i was cast for prince Florimond the the lead in Sleeping Beauty and that male variation in the third act is really tough and our version of Sleeping Beauty was was pretty heavy you just kind of were always on stage always dancing second act to third act right and so by the time that variation was over I was like wiped you know and I would leave the stage to prepare for the coda you know and um, my partner would be dancing the female solo and you would come meet me every every show you'd meet me on stage left and I would be like wiped. And because we were so friendly, I could be really just kind of who I needed to be, right? And so I would just kind of through gasps, just say, water. And then you'd hand me a water bottle and I'd go, towel. And you'd hand me a towel and I would be sitting on some set piece or whatever, some box, just trying to catch my breath. And then you would always tell me in, in the silence, like in me kind of just gasping, you would always say, hey man, I think those tours were your best yet or something <laughs> like yeah. every time you would tell me that something was my best. And in that moment of really heightened intensity, total focus, you would say something nice. And every time it kind of gave, it lifted my spirits a little bit. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay, good. He noticed, <laughs> you know, it was so kind of powerful and affecting. And I really liked it that the next season, I would ask Kenny to do that for me. I was like, Kenny in Nutcrack, I'd be like, Kenny, can you come um, after my variation before my coda? Just like talk to me before I go on. And he was like, okay, because Kenny's a great guy. He tried to help, but he didn't quite have the right feel. And Kenny would always be like, hey man, today for your coda, you should go for 90 degree cabrioles. And I'm like, no, 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 don't tell me, don't put pressure on me. Like that's the wrong vibe, right? This is hard enough as it is. And and in one show, I had a really good solo, and, and he was like, hey, Keelan, today's the day, 90 degrees. And I was like, okay. And so I went for it, but I fucked it up. <laughs> and I was like, okay, never listen to Kenny anymore. Like, don't, don't do that. It's the wrong vibe. But so, yeah, thank you for being, uh, thank you for being there. That was, I mean, really, not enough can be said about how fun and powerful it is to have your body with you when you're doing something like that right yeah man that was that was that was a fun time and no i I, because i was just standing on stage for 45 minutes and then i would just kind of (laughs) leave and you'd just be huffing and puffing and i'm like i feel bad man i've just been standing around you know making funny faces in the back but yeah it was always fun yeah yeah it was good um if people listen to this right when it comes out, they'll be listening to it Super Bowl weekend. Right. And this is big for you because you are, is it fair to say Tom Brady's biggest fan? I think I'm Tom Brady's biggest fan. Who would you say is more of a father figure in your own life? Your own father or Tom Brady? My own father, 100%. But if we're talking about, you know, who, if I could be someone, who would I want to be? It'd be Tom Brady. Mm. He's he's the guy. For those of you who don't know, Tom Brady is married to Giselle Bunchen. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Very famous model. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and yeah, he's playing in the Super Bowl. Huge Tom Brady fan. They're gonna win. They're going. You want to bet money? If you're if you're a sports better, you want to put down a couple dollars. I'd recommend the Buccaneers. Yeah. Do you think they're gonna beat the Chiefs? Really? I think they're gonna beat the Chiefs, man. You gotta believe. You have to believe. Because if you don't believe, you don't achieve. That's beautiful. Uh, this is a really exciting, like Super Bowl game. I actually am really pumped because it's Tom Brady, probably the greatest of all time. No real argument there. Versus Patrick Mahomes, who is maybe the most talented QB we have or have ever seen. Like, yeah. you've got the young upstart who is phenomenal versus the established greatest of all time. Um, and keep in I'm mind, pumped. Tom Brady's 43 years old. So he's yeah. really at the tail end here. No one plays till 43 at the level he's playing. And Patrick Mahomes is only 25. And what people are saying is Patrick has the ability. He has the talent, he has the team around him to potentially maybe be the greatest of all time one day. Mm. So this is going to be a big Super Bowl in terms of legacy for both players. Yeah, I'm excited. This is going to be a fun Sunday. And we'll be texting yeah. like the whole game, I'm sure. Unless yeah. you might just be out of the house, as, as you've mentioned to me. If anything oh, yeah. goes wrong with the team, with the Bucs, as you're watching, um, you just leave the house and go for a walk because you, you think that you're like bad mojo. Every time, every time we, we've played in like 10 Super Bowls and I've walked out of the house five times and every time I've walked, we've come back and won. So I, I'm doing something right. Yeah. I'm helping yeah. my team. Yeah. Hey, well, so we'll be texting and if you need me to, I'll, I'll be texting you updates, right? 100% I'll need you to do that. So here's an interesting little piece of information you might not know. Are you familiar uh, with Steve McClendon? Oh, yeah. Uh, he played for the Pittsburgh the Steelers and the Jets beforehand. And he's been taking ballet classes on and off since 2009, since his senior year in college. Oh, and that's says, the guy. Yeah. He says it's oh, harder than anything else he does. That's the guy. Because I knew there was, a, I knew there was a, a defensive tackle, like a six foot three, 310 pound guy. Yeah taking ballot i didn't know it was steve mcclendon oh that's so yeah, cool so he'll be he'll be at least i don't know if he'll be suiting up you know we don't he'll be him. a backup but uh right but he'll be he'll be in the super bowl this he'll weekend be in the super bowl oh that's awesome good for steve so that's a, a nice little segue into our topic for today the reason i brought you on uh, you are an avid sports fan mm-hmm. have been i believe your whole life yeah and i thought we could talk today about the argument of is ballet a sport or not right and we could we mm-hmm. could debate the merits of that argument there how does that sound? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there, there's definitely, you know, points to be made on either side, whether it's um, a sport or not. Um, my opinion is, is it is a sport, and I'll even take it one step further. I'll say it's a contact sport. So when you really think of a, of a traditional contact sport, you think of American football guys tackling each other. You can think of European football where there's slide tackles. Basketball, there's there's a lot of contact. Uh, even in baseball, there's not a lot of contact, but it, but, but it is a contact sport. You, you think of guys colliding with each other at, at high rates of speed. But I would argue, look at the look at the longevity of those careers. Once you're 30, 31, you've really hit your peak in that. Once you're 32, 33, you start to decline. And how much you decline is really up to how you take care of your body and you know, how much punishment you've taken over the years. But, but there, is, there is a decline. And you look at the same with ballet. Ballet has the same longevity of these really violent sports 
you get to 30, 35, you know, things start really changing. So, you know, I say it's contact because you jump in the air, right? And then when you land, your ligaments are taking that damage. Your muscles are taking that force because it's the force of your body weight plus gravity. And you're wearing, uh, you know, not supportive shoes. You're wearing ballet, ballet shoes. So, so the contact element would be the partnering element that we're physically contacting, we're, we're touching other people. And yeah. then the contact with the floor is that like we're not hitting other people aggressively, but we are because we're constantly jumping. We are constantly hitting the floor. And so it's yeah. kind of contact with the floor, which is simulating or taking the place of the contact we would have with other people. Yeah. I totally see that the timeline of a career is nearly identical to that of all of the major sports. Our peak is roughly the same in your you know, mid to late 20s. We generally have our athletic peak. After that, the, I guess, wisdom, like knowledge of the game can help us continue our career for like another decade. But it's because we, we, we understand our bodies and what is required so much more, but the physical generally isn't continuing to constantly improve. And by the time you hit 40, probably most people are considering that is the, the end of a career, you know, like, and then even like you said with Tom Brady, there are some dancers who can go beyond that, but it is increasingly rare, right? So all of the parameters fit. Um, in terms of the aging process of a dancer compared to you know other sport athletes yeah like those dancers those athletes are the exception to the rule yeah um and it it takes someone who has just an incredible amount of of determination and and who are really willing to change their diet and change well, their life to i think it can also just be luck like just yeah. for whatever reason genetically or yeah. whatever good fortune you've had you know and some people's their bodies they just hold up um, so in my research for this, I found a couple of studies that I thought might be interesting to bring in. There's been some, okay. some research done. So I'll bring in those two. So in 1975, a study done by Dr. James A. Nicholas, published in the Journal of Sports Medicine, he examined 61 different physical activities and ranked ballet as the most physically and mentally demanding. Follow-up, 2008, a University of Hertfordshire study compared ballet dancers from English National Ballet School and Royal Ballet Company. And so they were using students from the school, the older students from the school, and in the Royal Ballet, first artists. So basically they're soloists, right? And compared them to the British national and international swimmers, including two who had gone to Beijing in the, the Olympics. So the best swimmers in England versus the best dancers in England and found that dancers had a higher level of fitness overall. So they measured uh, different types of strengths, different muscle groups, uh, jumping, balance, the kind of mental, psychological prowess, um, stamina and body fat percentage. And it was, it was quite close. There wasn't a runaway favorite, but the ballet dancers did kind of eke out the swimmers in these categories um, overall. And so for the argument of 
what is the dancer's level of fitness and athleticism compared to these other sports, I think it's clear that ballet is at least as athletic as all of your other sports, if not more so. So I think in terms of, you know, because there's, there's going to be different parameters by which to measure this and by the measurement of overall fitness level, I think dancers are absolutely in the running, if not leading the charge when it comes to overall fitness. Right. That makes sense. And, and yeah, yeah, I, I think also a part of that that's missing is the technique aspect. Like there's just so many different little things that you need to master to make different moves work. Um, I mean, I'm no swimming expert. We can break this down into a few different elements and almost a few different questions. In finding the answers to these different questions, we might be able to find our answer overall to his ballet a sport, right? And so I think the first one is, well, what is the overall level of fitness required from a dancer? Right? And as we can see, ballet totally qualifies as, yes, absolutely, these are athletes, no, no doubt. Uh, Einstein calls dancers the athletes of God. From what I understand, Einstein's a pretty smart guy. So I think we can take his word for that one. Never heard of him. Einstein? Yeah, no, he's he's before your time. Actually, like Sherlock he Holmes been, or something? He would have been a great guy to have on your podcast back in the 50s. Right. Oh, I, wish I, I wish I would have heard of him. So the definition of sport, I wrote a definition down. Sport, an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another for entertainment. Clearly, the physical exertion and skill as an individual or team is covered. Ballet dancers do that, no doubt. The thing where ballet could theoretically just be disqualified is the competition. You know, we compete with the people around us, we compete with our fellow classmates, we compete with other dancers that we've never met and we'll never see for jobs. Once we're in a company, we compete for roles and promotions and opportunities. And as Brishnikov has put it, you know, you don't compete with other people, you compete with who you were yesterday, right? You always try to best yourself because that's all that really matters. I think Rocky so, also said something like that. A Rocky, yeah. Rocky Balboa. Was he, is he a friend of yours? Yeah. Yeah. It was something about, uh, something about a mirror. See the man in the mirror. Yeah. That's, that's your, that's your toughest opponent. Yeah. I feel like Rocky probably just took that from Barishnikov. He was just like secretly watching ballet interviews and was like, I'm going to use that for my movie. This is, this is a good movie line. Yeah. Um, and so I think we should talk about the competition aspect. Like there are competitions in ballet. Like we have really, prestigious competitions, you know, YAGP, Varna, Prix de Lausanne, the IBCs, the international ballet competitions around the world. I've been in a competition, lots of dancers do them. But they're kind of their own thing. Ballet began as and continues to be an art form first and foremost. We have these competitive elements that you can go and engage in if you choose to, but there's no need. And I don't think that the competition is synonymous with successful career. Like if you never have a job in a company, but you've won three competitions, right? are you a ballet dancer? Absolutely. But 
are you a successful ballet dancer? I guess that depends on how you define success. Sure. But the art form itself is done on stage in theaters all over the world telling stories. So I've got a quote here. In ballet, aesthetics rule, whereas in sports, winning the game, breaking the record, and so on are central to its essence. I don't think we really have a measurement for, you know, Steph Curry has the most three-pointers in a season. He's going down the record books. There's no record book keeping track of how many pirouettes somebody's done on stage in the course of a season. And I don't think people would really care. It might be an interesting bit of trivia, but we're not going to go, oh, that guy did a thousand pirouettes in one season and he has the new record. Therefore, he's the best turner of all time. Like, it's, that's not the point, right? Yeah, I think I think that would be a really cool idea, though. Like, imagine like Keelan McLaughlin has a has a trading card, and on the back it's like, oh yeah, he averaged four pirouettes a season. Wow, that's pretty good. Wow, yeah, clean double tours. You know, he had a uh, <laughs> he had a ten inch vertical in his double tour. I yeah, I I agree. I hope with it's more you. than a ten inch vertical. Ten inches is like not very high of a jump. Oh yeah, you'd probably be fifteen inch. Yeah, let's say 20. I want to go for 20. I want to have a 2 <laughs> jump. Let's say it's almost 2 feet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I, I, would, I would suggest, why can't it be both art and sport? I completely understand when you say, yeah, like there's no, you're not scoring points. You're not competing against another team. And it makes complete sense. But does it have to follow the definition directly? I think there's there's a gray area where you know yeah we're not dancing for points there's it's more of an art form when it's just a performance um but it, it feels like a sport the way that we train and the way that we devote our lives to it from a young age and we train hours and hours every day for decades and then we get a job and we continue to train like i absolutely agree we treat it like it's a sport. But the piece about competition might simply disqualify it from being a sport. Then again, we do have like literal competitions, but a lot of people look down on the, the idea of competitions in general because they say this isn't the point of ballet. You know, if the guy who did more turns, it was flashier, or the, the girl with her higher leg, she won. But the person who really embodied the character and created some felt emotion wasn't rewarded because that isn't the point okay well now we're getting more towards the sport and further away from art i think gymnastics and figure skating are widely agreed upon to be sport and they're fairly similar to ballet in a lot of their elements but in these other disciplines there are required moves you need to perform and if you don't include those you you know you, you lose points right imagine if in saying okay we want ballet to be a sport we want it to be regulated as such you know we want it to be recognized as such now when you do a solo there are required steps if you did that i think you'd be removing the artistry from it and you almost make it transactional yeah yeah if our ballet competitions are the most sport-like we get, then I don't really want ballet to move towards being more of a sport. 
because yeah. the competition elements, while they're totally fine, got no problem with them. That's not the best thing about ballet. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. My whole point is I really think it is a contact sport, but you but the most important part is the artistry. You can't lose that. It has to be there has to be a duality. Because that's the whole point people go to the ballet. You know, they want to see the emotion, they want to see the drama, they want to see if you're Albrecht and you lose Giselle, they want to see the heartbreak. They don't really care, okay, how big are those double cabrioles and how clean are those ceases. It's like we want to see a guy lose the girl that he loves. And if that's not shown, cool, okay, cool, you can jump high and you can do all these things, but that 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 gives it the passion. And I, I would argue that that makes superstars. Because there's a lot of people out there who can do these fancy tricks, you know, and they clean, clean technique, they can do five, six, seven pirouettes, and it's all great. But if there's a stone face, if there's no storytelling, it's a little like, well, I could just go to Netflix and watch a show instead. It's like, I want to, I want for me personally, I want to come and I want to come for the drama. The technique is, is a bonus. If you can do all these beautiful things, that's awesome. But I really want to see a story told and I want to feel the emotion. And that's the artistry. And then the artistry meshed with the technique for me is a sport. And you, and you make a great point when you say, listen, there's no stats. We're not going pirouettes per attempt. You know, we're, we're not measuring these <laughs> things in a physical manner. But, you know, there, there, there's an innate psychological competition not only with the people around you, you know, you have to be better than the people in the company to, to hold your role, but there's a psychological battle within yourself. And that's, that's so common in sports. You see these hyper, hyper talented guys who can run as fast as lightning and can bowl over guys like a truck, but they lose the belief in themselves. They lose, they lose the, the psychological edge they had and everything just kind of falls apart. And you see that in a lot of sports and you see that in ballet too. Maybe ballet at all times doesn't follow the letter of the law, the definition of competition. But uh, I think there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of aspects to it that are sport. And for me, that's, that's overwhelming me on the side that it can be both art and sport. Mm -hmm. So career timelines, nearly identical. Required amounts of training and dedication from a young age, identical. Another one that's identical is the injuries. Who do you think gets more ACL injuries? Ballet dancers or basketball players? Yeah, I think people would be really surprised how similar that is. Yeah. yeah. People, you know, non-initiated non-dancers might think ballet is, well, it's tough on the feet, your toes hurt. Yes, absolutely. But we're talking serious injuries. We're talking snapped Achilles. We're talking full knee reconstructions. We're talking hip replacements. We're talking... I mean, I've had surgery. I had surgery when I was a teenager. It's it's no joke. So I think the the yeah. physical and therefore medical toll is very similar. And I, I think I think maybe the, there there's a stigma around ballet. You know, when you're a kid, there's all these cartoon kid shows about ballet. Yeah. You know, uh, there's there's a mouse one. There, there's a, Angelina Ballerina. Angelina Ballerina. Yeah. yeah. So you see Angelina Ballerina. You see all these kids cartoon shows. Oh, you're a ballerina. That's like yeah. me watching Space Jam. And going, mm. oh, that's basketball. It's the, that's the kid version. But then when you actually get into what's really going on behind the scenes, really what's going on with your body, it's, I think people would be really surprised. 
Mm -hmm. I've got a take here. Mm -hmm. You can let me know what you think. And then uh, there's a couple of uh, comments I want to read to you that I hope people <laughs> at home find entertaining, okay? Right. Um, so I was reading an article about a woman named Leah Merchant and her brother Adam O'Connor. And so they both had careers professionally. She was a ballerina at Pacific Northwest Ballet in Seattle, and he played in the NFL. He got injured, and he had to stop playing football. And he was interviewed. He was asked what he misses the most, right? And in talking about that, he said, your teammates are your friends that you essentially go to war with. I miss that community and the competition and physicality of the sport. So that got me thinking. That idea of going to war, the camaraderie that it engenders in teammates. I feel that too. How if you go through 32 shows of Nutcracker in one month with a group of people, you've gone to, you've gone to war in a sense, right? Yeah. You've been in the foxhole with them. Yeah, you've been, exactly. And if you've toured a ballet for two months and you're dealing with the constant travel and the performing in weird theaters and the, oh, this person's sick, okay, I'm going in. There is this bonding. Yeah. Recently talking to my classmates, we had a, a Zoom reunion from my graduating class at the National Ballet School. It was also really noticeable then. There were people on that Zoom call that I haven't seen since we graduated. But we all went through something that was so intense as a shared experience that we are forever bonded in that way, right? And so that got me thinking, we too feel this going to war thing. We too feel this camaraderie, but we're not competing against another team. I think we're competing against the standard of ballet itself. We're competing against an impossible perfection. And so we don't fight a team, but we go out there every day. Like our battlefield is the stage, right? And the studio, but really it's the stage. Rick, just a quick question. Did you get that quote from Ask Jeeves or did you make that up on your own? What I said? Yeah. I said that that was me. I made that up. Yeah, yeah, all right. Askgeeves.com. Came from, well, it came from my brain, so I didn't make it up, but my brain said it. Okay. But, you know, we don't go onto the playing field and fight another team and bond that way, but our playing field and our battlefield is the stage. And if you think, okay, so then what are we fighting? Like, what is the thing that is the catalyst for us to come together and develop these bonding memories is ballet itself. Ballet is this impossible mistress this person who is never satisfied, right? Even on your best show, you have many corrections, right? It's just a process to con continue improving and improving. And we'll never have a, hey, I won. We'll have a, I beat who I was yesterday, but because we don't have somebody we're fighting against, we can't win. And so I think that ballet itself is is the one that we're fighting almost, you know, this impossible standard. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Because I think this yeah. like, ballet doesn't give a fuck about you. And in my experience, like, I mean, just go to some Russian teacher, you know, like a serious, like legitimate, strict group in Russia teacher. She probably doesn't give a shit about you. Like, and she'll tell you straight up, like, your feet are bad. You don't understand. Whoever taught you is stupid. Like, like there is a harshness to it, which is right. part of the culture, which... You know, and that's its own topic too. But ballet itself is unforgiving, 
right? And because we yeah. can't be measured against another team, we are constantly being measured against the perfect ideal of dance. And yeah. at least most of us are constantly falling short. And that's just the deal. And you're always going back to fight and fight and fight. Yeah, it's, it's not based on the individual. I think a lot of teachers, and especially, you know, um, older teachers see it as it's a legacy. That's what ballet is. is it's a legacy and it, it lives on after your life. So it's not about being a superstar. It's a, not about reinventing. It's about keeping ballet alive and the technique and, and, and everything about it. Um, and yeah, being told, I mean, that you're not good enough and that you're terrible. I'd say that's a good day. It sounds like a compliment mm. to me. It means you were good enough for them to look at you. Yeah. So they speak the words. Yeah. You're not there yet. Yeah. You got attention. Like that's, that's yeah. pretty good. But the idea that I'm looking to articulate here is that the so-called opposing team, mm -hmm. that role in ballet is filled by ballet itself. That thing that teams will deal with or individuals will deal with when they don't win the title for us that role is filled by the standard of ballet which we will never touch and so in that sense we do have an opposing force by which we measure our own merit it is the art form which is always better than us right right like ballet right. wins because ballet is an ideal and very rarely do you see somebody actually touch it but at the same time because it's what we dedicate our lives to you see beautiful performances and wonderful shows but there's always more work to be done. Right. I think that ties in to, you know, YouTube. And I mean, I remember because I was, I was in grade six, really when YouTube was kind of starting to take off. Mm. And so that's when, you know, all day, you're, I'm just on YouTube looking at Avon Vasiliev and mm. these, these incredible principal dancers who either have impeccable technique or they can do these crazy tricks and you just grow up watching these people like oh, i want to be that i want to do that and then you go into ballet class and you're surrounded by mirrors and you can't help but just judge yourself and look oh is my arm that way and it's a lot to live up to the the standard of ballet and how you're supposed to look at all times and you're right i think there's a lot of pressure that that the overall ballet can put on you um, and it's up to the it's up to the dancer to to lessen that for themselves. Keep a really positive mind. Keep be easy on yourself. Okay, maybe this wasn't your best day, but keep going forward and keep believing that you're good enough. I'd say that's that's the that's the main thing because it's you're you're surrounded by self doubt and someone's always going to be better than you. That's that's the truth. On any given day, someone's always going to be better than you, but it's being happy with the work you're putting in and loving yourself. That's, you got to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, it's, you're, you're only going to go downhill. Um, I'd like to read uh, something that brought a very small amount of entertainment to me today as I was uh, doing a bit of research here. Okay. So I saw something on debate.org and the question Ooh. is, is ballet a sport? And so anybody can participate in this debate. It's a percentage wise. So it's like this percentage says yes, and this percentage says no, right? So it's like a split. Mm -hmm. You wanna take a guess at, at what the split is? I'm gonna say 
Jeez. I'm going to say 80% say it's not a sport. Oh. Well, it's basically the opposite. 84% say it is a sport and 16% say it's not. Perfect. I, you know what I did? I underestimated people. Yeah. There we go. Um, one of the no arguments from the debate.org. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll read this, okay? So, All right. here we go. Uh, ballet is not a sport. I have already replied to several other things, but I will say it again. Definition of sport is a physical activity involving a team or individual in competition for entertainment. First, ballet has no competitions. Other dancing might, but not ballet. Second, ballet is not for entertainment. It's never on any TV station. Ballet is made by a bunch of selfish girls who their parents want to support so they go and sit in a building where girls dance on their phones. And ballet will never be as hard as football. Have you ever heard of a ballet dancer dying because she danced so hard? <laughs> no. The only way ballet will ever be a sport is if it's full contact ballet and there's a risk to die from it. And yes, I have had a ballet class. I know how hard it isn't. Who And who wrote this? What's the username? Bronco Orange. <laughs> so somebody is probably okay. a Denver Broncos fan. Yeah. First of all, I hate you. Okay. Denver yeah. Broncos suck. Uh, no. I just think that's funny because yeah, it's really when funny. they say ballet doesn't have competitions, literally type in the word ballet competition and you'll see so many of them and they're prestigious and beautiful yeah. and legit. And then they, she said, or he said, they said, ballet is not for entertainment. Like, no, like literally that, that's what it is. <laughs> like, yeah. You come to the ballet for entertainment. So, and then uh, yeah. the last line and yes, and just, you know, I'm reading it, so the intonation is my own, but this is how I read it. And yes, I have had a ballet class. I know how hard it isn't. Um, <laughs> I love like, oh, I love well, I mean, this guy's That's on so a class, great. so I guess he's qualified yeah. to tell me what yeah. it is. Um, I love when but, someone is just so ignorant. It's just so wrong. It's just really funny. It's like, all right. It's, it's just an excuse right. for women to take, for selfish girls to go so their moms can sit on their phones. For all I know, that person's trolling because that is such a funny take. Um, it's a really funny take. I really, yeah. I think to bring things back to our topic here, I think one of the really obvious points here is ballet is measured subjectively, right? You know, we can't just objectively say, oh, this guy lifted more weight. This woman swam longer. Like, because it can't be measured and analyzed in that way, it's more in the eye of the beholder. Right? And because there is very often a story element or an emotional impact, it really is for the person to decide how they feel about it. I mean, aside from Bronco Orange, who makes a lot of really good points, um, most people would agree there is undeniably this physical mastery required. But to call it a sport, if I had to give my own personal final verdict, I'd say it's an art form incredibly athletic one and it has the uh, the it's dipping its toes in the water of sport when you go to competitions right absolutely it becomes sport-like but when ballet is at its best it is as an art form just a very highly athletic one you you got a final verdict okay here's my final verdict it's an art first and foremost but I think it has a lot of elements of contact sport. You know, the longevity, what it does to your body. 
And I think there's an innate competition that even though it isn't measured, it's really still there. But I also completely understand how maybe some people would say it's not a sport or have your opinion where it's, it's an art with sport elements. I, you know, I'd also agree with that. I think really there's no wrong answer. I just think the, the, the important thing is don't lose the art form and don't lose the storytelling because at the end of the day, it is entertainment. They go to get lost in a ballet to be told a story. And um, I think as long as that keeps up, ballet is going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, nice to nice to do some research and, and have this conversation and kind of hash it out. Yeah. Um, Listen, I'd like to I'd like to end this though on a funny note. Please. So, I know this is an audio podcast, but if you made it to the end, hey, thanks for listening to my podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, go on to two guys, Instagram. You're going to see, there's a little book here it's oh. called momentum. This is my, this is my grade six yearbook. <laughs> this is the first year I met Keelan. I was in grade six. I was 11 years old. Keelan was 18 in PSP. And, uh, oh, really? I had a habit. Keelan worked as like the cafe manager. So he would be at the cash and there would be a bunch of free stuff, <laughs> but the muffins and croissants were not free. So being me, I would always steal muffins and croissants and then he would catch me and we'd always have like a funny banter. That's how we met. And then he kind of became a mentor for a bit. So I'm just going to read you on when you open it, the first page, I got some writing from Keelan and I'm going to read what 18 year old Keelan said to 11 year old Dash to, right. to close this out. Get a, get an overview of, of what our friendship has blossomed from. Okay. My dearest Dash. The wonderful Mr. Grundy, you magnificent little fireball. It's been quite a year for you. Not only did you pass all of your grade six classes, a very difficult task, and get reaccepted for next year, but you also managed to win the hearts of just about every senior girl in the school, something I've been trying to do my whole life. Congratulations on all of this, my little man. Just remember, as you go through summer school, the next year gets a little harder, and that life isn't worth living if you're not having fun. So... Make sure to stop and enjoy the chocolate milk once in a while. I'm always here if you need advice or a punching bag. Your big bro, Keelan. P.S. The muffins aren't free. Wow. Hey. <clears throat> Pretty incredible. That I got from Ask Jeeves. Like, the whole thing I stole. So oh, I, I knew one. it. I knew it. I knew that was an a- there was one Ask Jeeves. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be one. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. That's really cool. Um, is there a picture in there? Yeah. Okay. Can you so this is the second up? part for for those uh, for those looking on. Follow uh, Tutu Guys on Instagram. I'm going to show you here the post secondary. Everyone has so everyone has their own photo, right? And everyone has like the name before their photo. So everyone else's photo is like, oh, someone just took it in the hallway. Like, oh, smile. This is for the yearbook. Oh, you know, it's it's, it's whatever. One guy's wearing like a bolo necklace. Julian looks like he just got like arrested for armed robbery. Hold, hold, hold Julian's picture to the camera. Yeah, he looks angry. He looks really angry. Okay. So everyone just kind of has normal pictures, right? My guess is Keelan was hounded all year. Like, hey, can we get a picture of you? And he's like, no, no, no. Like, we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Until it got too late. And they're like, just send us a picture. So this is the picture he used, which is a modeling photo. <laughs> he looks like he's straight out of Gucci. Yeah. Shadow. He's got makeup. He's looking into the sunset. 
everyone else is normal. You were like, you know what? I want to use my modeling professional headshot. And I think that just speaks volumes. I can, I can post that on the thing, uh, the Instagram. Can you show us your photo then from your sixth grade picture? You want to see my photo? Yeah. I think that's all the yeah. time we have today. Um, <laughs> great to see you. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting a call. Sorry. I got to go. Um, yeah. I'm getting a call. I'm getting a call. Another call. Sorry. Uh, but no, cause you, you ran around the school as this like adorable cherub faced bright red curly haired kid we'd be sitting at the table and all the girls would just see you and just go oh so let, let us see if we could let us see that picture you want to see that oh my god that photo <laughs> oh <laughs> no man wow okay we oh, gotta wow. post both of these well, we'll that'd talk. be great, that'd we'll be great. Talk. just like my guest this week and it's you know picture of you <laughs> um okay that's great man this has been awesome yeah this has been great great conversation um wonderful discourse uh, intelligent i've laughed a bunch thank you thank you for being yeah here. of course man do you want to bring us home since this is your podcast after all sure thanks for listening to the two two guys podcast this is your host dash grundy thanks to kielan mcclolan for uh being my guest and um i love you all peace and love thanks again for having me um Maybe I can come back next week, but I guess we'll see how the response is to this one. Yeah, my, my schedule is full, so I don't think that's <laughs> You've been such a gracious host. And uh, I guess stay safe. Or go Buccaneers. Go Buccaneers. Yeah. Woo-woo. All right. Peace out, man. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.